Reis. guys were on blue note at that point yes mm-hmm. yeah yep. we did uh i think four three four albums on blue note before uh we ended up over at um heads, heads up. up yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um head to the past did you had a a few a woman singing on that i mean what was happening with like the members of the act at that point well, you know, if for anybody who's seen Pieces of a Dream over the years and followed us from basically uh, beginning to now, you know, we've had band members in and out of this band <laughs> for a long time and many of them. OK, um, with and each I, I think each. Pieces of a Dream band brought a different sound, you know, uh, brought a different vibe to the music, which, and none of it was bad. So, you know, uh, we've been able to be pretty much successful even with the changing of the guard, so to speak. You know, um, we've been able to maintain our audience with, with the changing of band members because the two mainstays were me and James. Mm-hmm. And the the rest of the band, whoever they may be, basically fed off of us what we did on stage, and we basically wrote most of the stuff unless where there were outside writers. So you know our sound pretty much stayed consistent. It it grew our sound grew because we started writing for you know more members of the band so we actually had to expand our band the band is like seven people on stage now <laughs> so uh but you know we because we like to use horns and strings and all kind of other sounds in the band we write for that so of course we had and plus guitar and percussion were the last two members to join our band at this point so we had to you know we wrote all of that stuff in the music before so we figured Let's get all this stuff in the band, you know? And so there you have it. So there's some core pieces of the dream and then like fragments of the dream. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) But there are only two main pieces, so. Well, they fit together very well. Well, thank you. Uh, Acquainted acquainted with the night, um, you had Gerald Albright on there and uh, Uh Was uh, you really got into Diana Ross on that on that album? <laughs> that was another James thing, <laughs> and I, don't get me wrong because I like Diana Ross and everything. I just don't know if uh, she fit our concept, <laughs> you know. Uh, but that was also, I think, a um, 
a, a, a collaboration between James and Dave Love on picking songs uh, for that CD. Um, because I, if I'm not mistaken, that's not the only time we did a Diana Ross song. Well, two were on that record at least. It was uh, oh, okay. Mahogany and uh, I think Love Hangover or something. Or um, what was the other one? It was um, Upside Down. And yeah, yeah, Upside Down and um, Theme from Mahogany. Oh, right. Theme from Mahogany. Yeah, right. You know where you're going to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember that one. Um, yeah, that's uh, like I said, I, thought, I think James and Dave Love thought that that would actually. I don't know if that was supposed to be singles or just something that was familiar to the ear for, for people to listen to, you know. Um, but I don't even know if anybody actually, you know, noticed those songs on the CD because <laughs> we've never been asked to play them or anything. So. <laughs> You mentioned uh, earlier, Kurt, about um, I think you mentioned all about love and um, mm -hmm. uh, one of the other um, like standard type tracks. Oh yeah, did. Shadow of Your Smile. Yeah, yeah, on Love's Silhouette. And uh, we also did uh, Funny Round Midnight. Midnight. We did a funky version of Round Midnight, which I love. That was with Lenny White. We did that. <laughs> Is that on Joyride or the other? That's one? on yes. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Oh. That's either one. No, no, that's what makes you wanna, if I'm not mistaken. I can tell you for sure. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yep. That's what makes you wanna? Yeah. 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 That that I love that one. That now that's a nice arrangement. That was a beautiful arrangement. Uh and a nice funky arrangement too. Of of a jazz standard. Of a big band standard, actually. So. Yeah, holding back the years on there too. Was that the Simply Red cover? Yes, that's the Simply Red cover. That's a very beautiful one too. And Careless Whispers, I liked too, mm -hmm. which was on uh, Joyride. The one, and that's the one Maurice White produced, if I'm not mistaken. And then my funny Valentine that I was saying uh, popped up on Love Silhouette. Yes, yes. Um. And you had a 9-11 um, tribute on that. Yeah, that was the one James wrote. And uh, that's a very beautiful song. And I guess he felt that, you know, he wanted to write something for all the people, not only that lost their lives, but for the people that helped out. You know what I mean? For And, and you know, because that was a very um, tragic thing that happened uh, to those buildings. And my and my wife was actually working in New York at that time. We weren't married at that time, but uh, we had just started dating and she was actually working in New York at that time. And I was living in DC. I came in and I had a roommate and I came in, he was watching TV. I thought he was watching some action movie <laughs> where, the where I saw the tower, the, uh, tower fall. And I saw a plane hit the other one. He said, no, this is real. I said, what? And so, of course, that whole day we were glued to the news. And so, you know, but fortunately, uh, the young lady who is now my wife, she she was okay and was not in that building, in, in either of those buildings. But man, you, you got to feel for the people who not only lost their lives, but 
whose loved ones they were, you know, oh, and yeah. and all the people that still suffered afterwards from all of the dust they inhaled, trying to help out and everything, you know, it's just that whole thing is just really, you know, uh, and hopefully nothing ever again happens like that in, anywhere, you know what I mean? Because that that man, <laughs> that was that was deeply tragic. Oh, no question. I was there like a couple months later and it was still like smoke coming up from the right. Yeah. You know, they used to have a concert series right there at the uh at the Trade Center. It was the world they used to have a jazz concert series and we played that concert series for 3 years, if I'm not mistaken. They had us 3 times and it was right at the foot of one of the towers of the World Trade Center. And uh, you know, and it's it's funny looking at New York now, and they are not. They it's still you still miss those buildings. They're so iconic, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you you still miss them. It's like it it doesn't even look like New York without them anymore. And every time I see a movie or something, they show them. Every time it's like, oh. yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Especially you see a movie from back in that time, yeah. and you see the trade centers and realize they're now they're no longer there. And everything it represents, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I wanted to ask you, Kurt, you know, we've mentioned smooth jazz many times, and I wanted to get your take on if you feel like, you know, just that term as a genre uh, has gotten a bad rap in some ways, in some circles. Um, I know, in like... Way? In what way? Like that it's, um, well, in different ways, like maybe that it's sort of compromising jazz or that it's um watered down jazz or or that kind of thing or that i like i had tom brown on and i think he doesn't even like that term to be used for what he does because he thinks the connotation maybe it's not that great mm -hmm. he likes to he'd rather call it like mellow jazz or something or whatever you know but now like like i said earlier when you say, quote unquote, smooth jazz, and I see what I consider pieces of a dream to be, we're a jazz funk band, <laughs> to tell you the truth. If you've ever seen us in concert and listened to our albums or CDs, uh, we're a high energy band, okay? And that actually definitely shows in concert. But I think it shows uh, in our music, in the music we write also, I mean, like I said, if you listen to, like, say, the new album, A Pieces Fiesta, Kicking and Screaming, you know, things like that. Um, uh, man, I should have this album in front of me so I know what I'm looking at. Um, but, and even a couple of the ones that James wrote, uh, just, uh, not just Funkin' Around, yeah, just Funkin' Around from the last album. Uh, you know, those are, I mean, those are funky songs. It's not, you know, uh, and there's nothing watered down about them, okay? Uh, and I understand where what they're what they're talking about, but let me put it this way: musicians and writers write what they feel. Okay, whether somebody else considers it watered down or not, that's you know their maybe their interpretation. Because y'all know you've heard this saying many times: 
uh, what somebody, what one person's poison is, so is somebody else's gold. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, what one person may like, somebody might not like. So I think it's it's an opinion, and everybody has one. Um, I think that uh, there are different levels of smooth jazz too. <laughs> you know, there even within that genre, there's different you know, categories of smooth jazz. Because you do have your more mellow stuff. And you do have your more funkier stuff. And then you got someone in the middle of the road, okay? That's not totally funk-based and not totally mellow, but it's, you know, like right there. You know what I mean? So it's, I I don't think, um, I mean, my opinion about that is music is music. You know, like I said, one what one person might like, another might not. So, you know. What was it? I think maybe it was just a term really that came out for like more easily like formatting a radio, you know, radio or something. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it's yeah, rather it's rather than strict that. genre, right? Yeah, I understand, <laughs> and I understand that. Yeah. Uh, you know, if that's why they have different stations. <laughs> So that you can turn the dial if you want. So, you know, like I said, somebody's going to sit there and and listen to it and somebody's not, you know, somebody's going to. Now, maybe they should have more than one type of smooth jazz station. You know, maybe we can develop that. But the thing is that smooth jazz radio has, uh, other than watercolors, and Sirius XM has basically disappeared, you know. Uh, so all the diversity that you would have gotten in your in your smooth jazz radio, you can only get from one station now, unless you listen to uh, internet radio, basically. Okay, and that's the only way to go now because you can't. You, there there are no more basically bandwidth stations anymore. How much freedom have your labels given you in terms of material and have they, you know, tried to, you know, steer you toward a certain uh, sound or songs or, you know, how much creative freedom have you had um, throughout your career with the different labels? Well, the the Shawnee label that we're on now uh, is way more liberal than... (laughs) than the other labels have been because we felt that we should have been producing ourselves a long time ago. Hmm. And I, I feel that some labels, some of those labels have wasted their money on getting producers for us because we, because right now we write, we've written stuff that, like I said, has gone to the top of the, you know, billboard contemporary jazz charts. So, you know, and had we been given this shot earlier, I think, you know, we could have done the same for those other labels. But Shawnee is the one that gave us this chance to do that. And um, uh, we're proving that we, we can hang with the, with the big dogs. So the first record on that label was um, In The Moment. Say again? The first record on that label was In The Moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And they've and ever since we've been with that label, they have given us complete autonomy on what we wanted to do in molding our own sound. I, I felt like, though, starting with a new assembly required that, that you guys went back definitely to more funk in general. Yeah, I think we did, too. Um, and I think that was the beginning of the sound that we've accumulated now. You know, that was the kind of the embryo stage of it, I think. Um, it's, uh, I think, but we, but I definitely think our sound has grown and matured since that record. And another Earth, Wind, Fire cover on that one, Devotion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, like I said, we really liked Earth, Wind, and Fire. So. <laughs> Nothing wrong with since that. we were kids, man. So. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you actually, you know, the record before the last one, you even had Funk in the title, you know. So when you, when you did just Funkin' Around, mm -hmm. were you thinking that you wanted to make sort of a little bit of a statement in, in calling it that? Uh... Yes, and while trying to be kind of cute in the title, too. <laughs> you know, instead of just funning around, you know, just, just funking around, <laughs> you know, because we like funk music. So that kind of explained that title, you know. And if you look at the back of the album cover on that one, me and James are just clowning around big time. So, <laughs> like, I've been ready to play on his keyboard with my drumsticks. <laughs> So, <laughs> you guys have that much fun on most records, or just that one? <laughs> no, actually, that was probably the most fun uh, record we've had. But I'll tell you, um, I mean, since we've been able to produce ourselves, it, it, the, the writing it's really been fun for me writing. It has really been fun for me writing, and even James has complimented me on the, the different kind of stuff I've come up with. Because back in the day, he did a lot of the writing himself. So, you know, I wrote here and there, but um, I just felt like I wasn't really able to be myself with, in my writing with, uh, I guess, you know, the way the record companies were handling us. You know, I got to say, typically, and I, I don't have credits here for it, so I don't know, like, which tracks you wrote um, on just funking around uh, well that's on just funking around i wrote part of that one um what about I don't have no, the, the song no, no doubt were you involved in that one no not that uh no doubt that's uh david dyson yeah if i'm not mistaken i like that one too huh i like that one also title yeah. track and that one yeah that that's david dyson's song and and he did a nice job on that he did a very nice job on that. What about uh, Human Interface from the one before that? That's James. And Human Interface is on um, All In? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, I wrote the song All In, <laughs> the title cut. And a few more, I would show you. Like I said, I don't have a list of songs in front of me, so. And I, we've got over 200 songs, so. <laughs> It's going to be hard for me to, like, you know, think of names at this point. 
But if you say them, I know them. <laughs> we also, um, you came with the uh, new jazz swing on that one record too, um, which is on so, uh, in the moment. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, that was that was James's writing also. That was him too. Um, Step on it. Um, APB. That's me and my partner, my other part, writing partner, Benny Sims. And yeah. he's from my other group, New Foundation. That one had sort of a, a more rocky kind of guitar on it. Uh-huh. Yeah, we kind of we kind of wanted to get a little bit edgier uh, on that particular cut. Um, that I know that that had like a, a slower funk groove to it. But we wanted to get just a little bit edgier with the uh, with the with the rock guitar, and a lot of people like that song. Uh, I got a lot of compliments on that song. Yeah, I like it too. Um, Trifling, did that one? That was Cherie Mitchell that wrote that one. Um, Dice it up. That's David Dyson. Yeah, that one's real funky. Mm -hmm. Want a piece of this? I think that's James. Um, I just highlighted some. You know, the um, this is probably James too, but um, Misty Eyed uh, is a ballad on In the Moment that gives me a very uh, Isley Brothers kind of feel. Uh, okay. Now, I haven't heard that one in a while, so trying to actually figure out how that one sounds. Yeah, <laughs> I, well, I, that's I, one I, I haven't heard in a while. <laughs> I can't sing, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, sometimes you hear stuff, um, you know, you want to kind of go back in time a little bit and steal something that might sound familiar to people, you know. So, you know, and he's, James is really good at that. As far as you know, like taking a piece of the Isley Brothers or maybe something from uh, the Commodores or something like that, you know, um, on kicking and screaming, I took something from um, uh, what's the name of that song? The real thing going down. Yeah, I took the bass line from that to put on my bridge <laughs> or kicking and screaming. So it's do So I don't use a, a small piece of it, but you know, that was a groove that I really liked from back in the day. So I kind of took a little piece of it and put it in, you know, what is now the single kicking and screaming. So yeah. So every once in a while, we'll you know we'll do that. <laughs> hey, as long as you put your own thing on it, you know. Although these days, you never know with how litigious and crazy some things have gotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. So you can't actually steal. You can't steal, but you're allowed a certain amount of bars of a of a of a record that you can actually steal, and then after that, you gotta pay for it. So. You know, but um, speaking of that, have you guys has, has pieces of a dream been sampled much? Oh, Mount Every Groove has been sampled over and over again, man. Um, 
they some people have even even used the whole track. Uh, Grandmaster Flash did a rap on it back in the day. Um, and every once in a while, I'll hear little inserts like the the scratching or the the ping pong sound on the uh, like the the thing that sounds like the TV tennis in the bridge. Pong. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll hear that sound. You know, I'll hear some of those sounds every once in a while in a record by somebody else. So, yeah, and that that song has been sampled repeatedly. So, when that when it first happened, uh, how did you react to it being picked up and used like that? Um, actually, we were honored because you know it's like, wow, they thought enough of us to use it. You know, so it's all good. How'd you feel when you first heard your music on the radio? Oh my God, we went berserk. We were actually washing our bass player's mother's car. She was loaning us the car to go out that night. And we were washing the car. And then our very first record, Warm Weather, came on. And we look, we stopped and looked at each other and just started screaming. We started going crazy. Turn up the radio, turn up the radio. <laughs> so I mean, it was it's a it's a surreal moment, put it that way. <laughs> it's definitely a surreal moment. Um and you can't believe it. You you this is something you actually created. So, you know, you put it out there and it's on your record. So, you know, so it was it was great. It was a great feeling. How old were you then? Do you remember? Uh, it's my first record. Uh, 17, I think. <laughs> wow. So did, did that make you big man on high school campus or what? Actually, yeah, I graduated high school at 17. So, and it came out that summer. And so my first year of college, I started college while I was 17. So... And people knew who we were when we got to college because me and Cedric were actually roommates in college, my bass player at the time. And uh, we were actually in the same classes, too. So people saw us together all the time. So they knew who we were. Were you uh, majoring in music or something else? No. Um, well, the intent was to major in music. We were actually liberal arts majors for a minute. And then... The next year, we were going to major in music, and actually, my grandfather was going to be our professor. <laughs> so, but because we went to automatic A, yeah, right. But as it happened, uh, Grover took us out on tour instead. <laughs> so <laughs> we ended up uh, going out on tour and had to uh, leave college at that particular point. We tried. We tried to do both. But it just didn't. Uh, the grades were suffering, so, and we didn't want to. We didn't want to fail in college, so we kind of took a took a leave of college and, and went on the road and developed a career. So. Yeah, with Professor Washington. <laughs> yeah, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> what, how about that? Did Did you? Uh, you've also worked with some other acts outside of. Uh, pieces of a dream, right? So, what are some of those things you've done? Other projects, I know. I played New Foundations group, and yeah, New Foundation was uh, my other group. Uh, we did we did one album, uh, and that's um, with uh, the partner I I mentioned earlier, Benny Sims, up in Reading, Pennsylvania. Um, 
And at the time, it's, it's a shame that that album didn't go any further than it did because a lot of people liked it, but the music industry started suffering at that point. And we're not, that's at a time where a lot of um, labels were not taking on new acts. You know, even though I had a name at the time, they just did not want to spend the money to get a new act off the ground. Because it wasn't like we were child prodigies or anything, you know what I mean? But uh, we had, we featured Phil Perry on that album, one of the cuts on that album, um, on a song called Holding On. He did a bang up job on that. Um, and that's an album I felt that had it been a different time, it could have definitely done a lot better than it was. And I had more success with the gospel album I did <laughs> with my pastor. We uh, actually won the 2016 Radio Alliance Award for CD of the Year and Song of the Year in the gospel genre. So, and uh, I mean, I've played with people like Gene Carn and um, I, uh, Regina Bell. Uh, man, a whole slew of people. Um, the OJs I played with. Uh, I sub for their, I had to sub for their drummer at, at one point, and I did a gig up in Boston with them. So, <laughs> but it, I, you know, I, I had a lot of fun doing what I do and and playing with the different artists that I was able, that I've been blessed to play with. So, so was New Foundation intended to be uh, a complement to Pieces of a Dream, or were you thinking you might go off in just a different direction? Um. That group came about at a time where I wanted to do more writing for a different situation. Um, I guess I wanted, you know, uh, to see what, you know, uh, a different flavor, you know, how a different flavor would, you know, go if I would, if I were to try to um, do something else with another individual or or just something else, period. You know, uh, I just kind of wanted to stretch my writing legs, I guess, you know. And so that's a song where I had a hand in writing the whole album along with a partner of mine, Benny Sims, who actually is the music director, was the music director for the Three Degrees. Hmm. And once time, you remember the Three Degrees. Yeah, well, when will I see you again? Yeah, huh? When will I see you again? Yeah, yep, yeah, exactly. So he and he was a bass player who had been in pieces at one time also. And we became really good friends and decided to just, you know, do an album together. And um, and we had a lot of fun doing it. And it was an album that really uh, I wish would have taken off. Um, and then I had two different incomes, but. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, uh, for whatever reason, for, you know, certain reasons, uh, at that time, the music industry was diminishing. Actually, a lot of people were getting fired, too, uh, getting being let go from labels at that time when that album came out. So because of, of the whole digital downloading and everything, huh? Because of the whole digital downloading and transfer. Yeah, well, not just that, because the, I think that was just before the downloading thing really took off. Um, I just think record companies were, you know, the economy and everything were not, was really just not doing well. Mm -hmm. 
a lot of record labels were downsizing, so they were letting a lot of people go, you know, and they weren't taking on new acts unless you were like a Beyonce or a, you know, a Taylor Swift or somebody like that, you know. So, like I said, uh, timing is everything, and that was just the wrong time. Yeah. So do you think you might do a, a, another project? You mentioned working with this uh, youngster. Um, yeah, Justin Lee Schultz. Uh, yeah, what's he play? Yeah, I'm. I'm actually. Well, he's actually in our band at this at this point. Uh, he's a. Uh, he's an addition to Pieces of a Dream right now. What does and, he play? Uh, he plays keyboards. Okay. And if you you can actually YouTube Justin Lee Schultz and you'll see him, and his sister plays drums and she's I think, fifteen or sixteen. Uh, his father plays bass and guitar. So you can see the you can see their whole family just about playing on YouTube uh, if you if you YouTube him. Uh, but you'll see what a fun and you'll you'll probably see some uh, concerts with us too with him in the in the band. Some of our uh, some of the pieces of a dream shows with him in it. Um, How did that connection happen with you? Um, I think James met him through Alexander Zoncheck. If you know who Alex is, the flute flautist, okay. Alexander Zanchek. James is a good friend of Alexander's. And Justin, I think, opened up for Alex at one point. And James was on the same show with, with uh, Alexander and met Justin. And James came home and told, he came home, called me and told me about this young kid. He was 12 at the time and said, man, this kid is phenomenal. And he's like, well, I'm thinking about, you know, and our keyboardist, the additional keyboardist that we had was leaving the band because he got an offer from his church to become the music director, the uh, minister of music. And so it was like perfect timing. But I was kind of sketchy about having this young a youngster that we had to be responsible for in our band. I said, well, we could do it, but his father's going to have to come on the road <laughs> with him. So... And then when I heard him play, I mean, I watched him on YouTube and I was like, yeah, he's good. But then when I saw him live and he was playing with us, I was like, man, this kid is off the chain. <laughs> you know? So, you know, and and he's a great kid, too. I mean, his personality is great. Um, you know, he's got a nice family and, and his whole family is very nice and everything. And they come with him every show, you know, all of them. So. Um, but this kid, he's very humble, uh, wants to learn, uh, and is a great player on top of that. And he, and he's got a beautiful heart. So, I mean, and with that combination of things, he's going to go far, you know, and, and besides that, the way Grover brought us up, you know, we're basically doing the same thing Grover did for us which is giving another youngster a shot at having a career doing something he loves to do, you know, just like what was done for us. So what we're doing is basically kind of paying it forward and, you know, giving another youngster a shot to do what, what he's dreamed of doing and doing it as a professional, you know, not just in somebody's garage band or, you know, because this, this kid deserves to be heard by the world. Wow. So how does he balance that with school? He's homeschooled. <laughs> him and his sister both are homeschooled. 
So, and they're very intelligent. So, <laughs> there's nothing lacking there. <laughs> we'll definitely have to uh, check him out. Because <clears throat> yeah. I, I do believe um, his mother actually is a school teacher. So, oh, um, if I'm not mistaken, so <laughs> so they 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 got it they got it together. <laughs> Curtis, you look back, you know, you mentioned the um, Japan show, but is there some other show that maybe just or experience from the road that just stands out to you as being an unforgettable experience? It, it could be something funny happened or maybe something touching or whatever reason. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> no, the, I, I, I would have to say the Hollywood Bowl, uh, the first time we ever did the Playboy Jazz Festival. And even though that was with Grover, we were on in concert with people like Nancy Wilson, Miles Davis, uh, Al Jarreau, um, Joe Williams. Uh, I mean, uh, and Mercer Ellington's band. I mean, we were in concert with such big people, man. It's like, wow. And, and we played as pieces of a dream on that show. And then we came out and back Grover. So, you know, not only was it double pay, but it was double exposure for us, you know. And you can't beat that kind of exposure. And growing up, you see people playing at the Hollywood Bowl, If you're, especially if you're in the music industry, if you're a musician, you're growing up watching people play at the Hollywood Bowl in places like Carnegie Hall, the Radio City Music Hall, the Apollo Theater. Never thinking you're going to be able to do that. And here it is. I've done all of them. <laughs> yeah, I've been able to do all of them. So, wow. you know, and travel. So, you know, like I said, this career has been a blessing, you know. Do, do they still do the Playboy Jazz Fest or is that over? Um, I'm not sure. They still do concerts at the Hollywood Bowl, though, because we did one last year. So, and I don't think that was the Playboy Jazz Festival, though. Yeah, I mean, I always remember that because I grew up out there. Um, okay. Um, but I'm thinking maybe they don't do that one anymore, which is too bad. I'm not sure. They might, though. They actually might. You have to look that one up. Because if I'm – they they might do that one. They might still do that. Yeah. Yeah, but maybe. I've not, still I, have uh, festivals at the at the uh, bowl. So. <clears throat> what is it that you'd still like to accomplish? Um, I like to do a movie score, actually, uh, write for television. You know, I like to get into the visual arts with my music. Um, it's something that I've, I actually always wanted to do and uh, something that I feel that I would actually be pretty decent at doing, too. Um, because it's funny, when I look at movies and look at television, I actually listen to the music behind the scenes. You know, look at what's going on and hear the mood of the mu that the that the music sets for that, for that particular scene. And sometimes I go, I could do that, <laughs> you know. And I think it's something I would really enjoy. Are you a movie buff? Yes, oh, big time. Big time. <laughs> yeah, me and my wife both. Um, and of recent, we've been, I've been uh, really into the classic movies because some of my favorite actors are Cary Grant, 
Humphrey Bogart, James Cagney, um, Eddie G, you know, George Raft, uh, George Brent. Um, of course, I like uh, Betty Davis and um, uh, Myrna Loy. Uh, I'm forgetting my girl. Um, Catherine Hepburn. You know, you know Spencer Spencer Tracy. You know, I I love all their movies and stuff. So, <laughs> did you have Turner Movie Classics? Oh yes, most definitely. Good <laughs> on that, right? Most definitely. My wife and, loves that too. And so you can go to YouTube and get classic movies also. So I've been doing that too. So, but you know, I and I like the westerns too. Randolph Scott, John Wayne, you know, Clint Eastwood, and you know, all those guys too. So. Yeah, Western is entirely different uh, kind Richard of Richard Widmark, you know. And a lot of my friends don't even know who a lot of these people are. So well, we <laughs> just course, lost they know the big ones like, you know, Humphrey Bogart and Eddie G and James Cagney and Catherine Hepburn, Betty Davis. But, you know, if I say somebody like George Brent or, you know, even George Raff, some people don't have Richard Widmark, you know, um, Randolph Scott. People don't know who they are. You know, I'm like, come on, you got to know these people. <laughs> but I guess I'm more of a classic movie buff than, than, you know, a lot of people. So what is it? Uh, which album is there an album that you've done that you think is, you know, your favorite or uh, you're most proud of? Mm, I like the one, uh, the subtitle Pieces. Uh, we got to work with a lot of different producers on that one, but the music, um, even though it's kind of eclectic, uh, it's still very much pieces of a dream, you know. Uh, and you could tell the the producers we had were different producers on different songs, you know, because uh, none of them sound. Some sometimes I think they sound like they shouldn't be on the same album. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's why I call it eclectic, but it still sounds like pieces of a dream. You know what I mean? So uh that's one of my favorites. And this last one, um, on another note. So if somebody was just looking to get into you guys unbelievably for the first time, maybe they're young, uh, what record would you recommend that they like start their journey with now i would actually say start your journey with uh the second album we were still getting our feet wet but we had a grasp on what we kind of wanted to start sounding like all right and then i would say go to uh makes you wanna um i mean joy joy ride i'm sorry joy ride and then go to Makes You Wanna. Um, because those two out al- those two albums kind of have a similar vibe about them. And Lenny White had something to do with both of those. Um, but you can hear the production quality in those, you know, from Maurice White and Lenny White. And I think our playing had grown at that point from the first and second album too. Um, then I'm gonna say, if you really like R&B, go to um, About That Time. 
okay, for for you for the R and B side of people, you know, fans that we have. Uh, for the other, for for still the smooth jazz people, I would say in flight, okay, and then I would say all in, and the last few. <laughs> there you go. All in, just fucking around to on another note. <laughs> so when's uh you you working on on the next one yet or? Uh, I'm gonna say yes and no. Uh, I'm about to start working on the next one, and I got some stuff that you know can like I've got some stuff in the can that I could just pull out and finish, or I can start from. And I know I have to start some from scratch, but I've actually. Started one that I want to feature Lindsay Webster with us on, and she's a vocalist. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with her. Um, she's an up and coming vocalist. Actually, well, I can't say up and coming because she's actually kind of well known. Um, but I love her voice, and we actually got a chance to meet her because she's my guitar player's fiance. <laughs> and um, but she's really taken off now, and. But she, you know, she's she has a really nice voice, and is she jazzy or more R and B or what's her? Um, oh, man, it's hard to describe. Let me see. I wouldn't say R and B. I would say more kind of. What do I say? Contemporary, but not contemporary jazz. Just contemporary. Period. Okay. Okay, um, and uh, I I wrote a song, and when she heard it, she she called me. She said, "You know, I love this song." She said, "I but I I'm gonna." She said, "It's gonna be a minute because I want to do this real justice." <laughs> so, so um, so she's working on it right now, and from what I understand, she has most of it done, but she wants to finish off the bridge because she was hearing the bridge one way. And but I played it another way. And then she listened to it. She said, "You know what? Never mind. I can come up with something for what you played." So, so she's working on that song now. But I think the song once I hear it, and I told her I didn't want to hear it until it was all put together. And she was going to send me what she had, and I was like, "No, I want to hear it when it's all put together." So, so she's going to within the next week or so, I'm probably going to get uh, what she what she's done. Where do they Where do they live? Uh, she lives in New York. Uh, but the guitar player, wait a minute, or does she live in Atlanta? And her parents are in New York. I know she has ties in New York. That's what I do know. And she's in New York a lot of the time. But my guitar player lives in Atlanta. So they're, they just became recently engaged. So I don't know if she's moved to Atlanta or if he's like going back and forth to New York or not. So I do know he spends a lot of time in New York now too. So. So it's, it's, it's a plan, if there is a plan, sort of to try to put out one pieces of a dream record like every two years and then... Yeah, I think that's the best formula for us because I know the record company wanted us to do an album a year and I just think it doesn't give the, the current album or CD, I should say, a chance to really... Uh, get to everybody or a chance to like, you know, for people to familiarize themselves with the whole record, you know. I think um, if you put out an album 
if you've done an album this year and put out one next year, I think it's going to cut out the growth, of, cut the growth and development of the out the current CD. You know, so I kind of vote for you know every two years, every other year. That way, it gives us a chance to work on other projects too. <laughs> so, because right. so, if I had to do an album every year, I wouldn't have time to do anything else. You know, yeah. so. And I see you have a, a date, I think, coming up later this month in March and a couple in April. Are you going to build some more out, uh, more shows this year? Or what do you see there? Uh, well, we're, we got a management working on gigs all the time for us. So um, we're going to be doing, we're, I know we're at the Burks Jazz Fest this month. Um, and next month we're, Oh, Lord, where am I next month? I, oh. I had it here somewhere. <laughs> I have uh, it here, too. Come to think of it. Uh, Detroit and... Uh, you were in a couple of places. Uh, Las Vegas after that. Right, right. The, we got the Las Vegas thing coming. The only thing is that people are... We're, along with other people, getting leery about traveling with this coronavirus going on. And, you know... Now it's it's hit Jersey where I live. Uh, the first cases hit yesterday, from what I understand. So guys in the hospital now, and you know they and I know at one place they were talking about closing schools. They're going to close one school already because that's the first I that's the first I heard about it on the East Coast. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's over here. It's over here now. And it was only a matter of time because you got the three New York uh, airports here. Mm-hmm. Then you got JFK, LaGuardia, and, and Newark Liberty. So it was it was inevitable that it was going to hit here. So, you know, it's just, uh, they just got to find a way to contain this thing, man. Because, uh, too, you know, we, can, we can't all get sick here. So, no. Yeah, but luckily well, my next gig is a driving gig, so <laughs> I don't fly again for another two months. I think. Okay, so. that was very good planning on your part. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the way it fell, man. <laughs> Still living that charmed life, Curtis. Yeah, yeah. So, so how can everybody best keep up with all things, uh, both for you and for the group? Well, I have my own. I have actually two Facebook pages. I have Curtis Harmon, and then I have Curtis Harmon Music on Facebook, and uh, I also have a Twitter page and an Instagram page. Um, Pieces of a Dream has Twitter and Facebook, so you can keep up with us on that and our website, piecesofadream.net. Yeah, I like seeing that you still have your own site going. So many people have like dropped the sites because they have social now, but I. I think it's still nice to have. Yeah, that. we we may be doing that too, but <laughs> we're not sure yet. So, <laughs> you know, we're trying to still build uh, our popularity as you know, as much as we can. So yeah, well, it's been great talking to you and, and finding all about uh, your history much more than I knew before. And well, uh, I'm sure you. viewers and thank listeners, it's been, it's been it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you, and uh, we'd like to also thank all of our fans that supported us. This is our forty third year together. So uh, we really love to thank all of the people who keeps this train moving and, and keep us current and keep us, you know, in your homes, in your cars and on your phones. <laughs> you know, we love you all. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah.
Thank you, Curtis. Continued uh, success. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. Hey, back at Truth and Rhythm headquarters. Thank you for joining us on another magical ride with Truth and Rhythm. Whether you're watching or listening, as always, thank you so much for your continued interest and support. Be sure to subscribe. Go to YouTube. Go to the Funkin' Stuff channel. That's where Truth and Rhythm lives and breathes and thrives. Also, goodies here like TIR Quick Takes. And if you subscribe, you know what? You get the show before anyone else. It's free. If you love jazz, funk, R&B, soul, you can't miss it. Pass it along. Tell a friend. Tell family. This audience is growing, and it is a beautiful thing, all coming together for the love of this great music. Also, if you can throw us a buck or two, we could use the support financially, keeping the lights on, keeping the servers going, all these expenses. If you can help support the program, whatever you can give, much appreciated. Go to the funkinstuff.net website, and on the right-hand side of every page, you just click and you can donate through PayPal, credit card, whatever. Very easy to do and so much appreciated. And if you do a sizable donation, I will mention you on the program. Also drop me a line, email me at scottg at funkinstuff.net. Let me know who else you'd like to see on the show, what you enjoy about the music. Let's just kibitz and uh, talk about stuff, you know, talk music. You'll find that I respond very quickly and I much enjoy the uh, rapport and the camaraderie and the interaction. Always remember, this is your show, The True Music Lover. So for now, that's all the time we have for this one. It's a wrap. As always, Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one. <laughs>